I want to just talk a little bit this morning about some of the things we've been talking about and just provoke your thought in your mind about what God is doing in your spirit. Now, you guys know by now that there's a difference, say, for a weakness that is just in the flesh. And I'm talking the physical avatar that I'm looking at right now over there with Micah. Micah may have a few quirks and a few little oddities. So do I. So does Dan. So does Rick. So does Dave Strum. So does Naomi. We all have these little quirks and these little ideology things that work in us. And honestly, if you look back at the pattern of your family, you can see that there's trends and patterns that float down through the genealogy, isn't there? You know, you, as you're a kid, you say, well, I don't want to end up like my parents. And then several years pass, and who do you become? Your parents. And you're like, oh, my God, how did this happen? I did not want that to happen. But those are things that just work in the flesh, right? So once you, once you kind of get past that mindset, you begin to understand that there's a little more at work here, isn't there? Now, what are we truly? Are we physical beings? Is that what we are? And now I'm asking in the context of eternity. Let me clarify that. Are we physical beings? We do have a physical body and we are here physically this morning. We're not in the spirit realm right now looking at each other as angels, are we? Unless you actually are in a vision right now seeing us as angels. But you would have to be in a vision. You'd have to be in the spirit to see that entity or that embodiment. Because that's a totally different body, right? But we are here in physical avatars. We do have bodies. We do come together and it's a very good thing. But I want you to think a little bigger than that. I want you to think about what God is doing in your spirit. Because what God is doing in your spirit is what matters in regards to eternity. And we've been talking about God burning away this, this consuming fire of God. Taking away the thing that would hinder you from coming into the fullness of the stature of Jesus Christ. The true measure of a man. What is that? What is a man? I mean, you, you start going down that path and you start asking a lot of questions. And if you ask the right questions, you might come into some wisdom and understanding about what a true man actually is. And this would not leave out the ladies because in the beginning, God made them one. So Adam and Eve were one. So what was working in Adam? Because that's what we're talking about. I don't want you to think as much about what is working in this flesh because we all know, we recognize, at least some of us, we recognize that there are issues at times in this body, is there not? Sometimes this body doesn't want to get up and come to church. Sometimes this body doesn't want to read the Bible. Sometimes this body just doesn't want to do certain things. What do you have to do? You have to discipline. You have to make this body get up. Sometimes it doesn't want to get up and go to work, but you make it get up and do what it has to do. Because God knows you don't get up and go to work. You don't eat. If you don't give yourself to the word of God, you don't eat either. So there's certain things you just have to put in order. You have to put into to, to a place of fervency and you have to make things happen. But then when you take it and you turn it internal. Now what is God after? Is he after the hidden thing? And what has been created in your spirit? And how did it get there? Did something sow to you? We've talked many times about the Apostle John 
And now he said, this is not a new commandment. This is an old commandment which you have received from the beginning. So was there something sown to you in the beginning? Look at the angel of the church of Ephesus. Did Jesus Christ, the perfect image, the perfect embodiment of God himself, did he not come into that angel and did he not sow perfect things, wonderful things, very specific things? Did he not? But at the same time of sowing those things which were good, the things that he found which was good, did he also not recognize that there were some things lacking? Did he not tell that angel of Ephesus, you have done these things very well, but you have some things that are not so good. For one, you have left your first love. He said, remember, therefore, and repent. Remember from whence you are fallen and repent and do what? Do your first works. See, if you're in the mind of the avatar, what I, well, I will call the flesh, and this also works within you in a terrestrial man. It's called the carnal mind. So I'll just keep it in that context. If you're working your salvation toward God in the carnal mind, then you have been spending your time trying to figure out how in this life you can please God. Tell me that's not true. Tell me that you're not trying to put your finger on the work or the activity or the thing you can do to try to come into alignment or agreement with the will of God. When Dan teaches you about coming into the love of God, is he telling you that it is a physical fleshly work? Is there something you have to do in this physical life to come into that perfection? Or is there something that God has to reveal within you? Within your heart, within your spirit. Is there something that may be hidden that God wants to reveal to you? Now, I'm not telling you that there is not a physical aspect to this. You are sitting in a chair this morning in a physical building and you're listening to a physical preacher. We are here today and it is good. Make no mistake. Don't think that you can go off on an island somewhere and you're just you and God. You're just going to get all this figured out. Good luck with that. We are here and it's a good thing. What I'm simply telling you is that it's bigger than that. I'm telling you that what you want to do is let God come into your heart and shine a light into your heart and reveal the hidden things of darkness. What is it that is preventing us from going into deeper things of the spirit? What is it that is hindering us from coming into the greater things of love? What is hindering us from coming into the fruit of the Spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the temperance, the long-suffering. Could there be things in our spirit that work against those things of Christ, against his nature? Because we are talking about the nature of Jesus, and how many wants that? Don't you yearn for it? Don't you yearn for the nature of Jesus? Several weeks back, I mentioned the heart of Jesus. Could you imagine just spending some time in prayer and meditation and you start thinking about the heart of Jesus. What is the heart of Jesus like? What, how does Jesus think? How does, he, how does he feel? How does he think? How does he imagine? How does he see? How does he hear? How does he work? How did he work in the world that he came to? I'll tell you how he didn't work. He didn't work by selfishness, did he? Proof of that is the fact that he laid his life down and went to the cross. Dan quoted the scripture. No greater love has any man than a man that lays down his life for his friend. 
And Jesus laid his life down. But as he was speaking to that angel in the beginning, this was a Jesus of perfection. This this was not a Jesus that was trying to figure out who he was and how this thing was going to go. He was with perfect wisdom and instruction, giving this entity the exact word of God that that angel needed to be that overcomer. And that's what God is doing for us. God doesn't ask something of you and not give you the authority and the power, the instruction, the wisdom, the doctrine, everything you need. God has given it to you. Isn't that amazing? You say, I've got a curse working in me, but I can't put my finger on it. Well, if you give yourself to Jesus and let that light of God shine within you, guess what God will talk to you about? But I found it very interesting when people want to talk about the curse. And they come and they say, well, can, you, can you help me with the curse? And, and it, for obvious reasons, right? You look at this particular parable and you say, well, God has delivered you from a great curse. And that is true. That is absolutely true. But there's more to it than that. There's a lot that works in that curse. In fact, if I told you it works in every aspect of the soul, would you believe me? You could overcome in just one aspect of the soul. You could overcome the curse that works in the aspect of the soul concerning the woman, concerning the female, and not have overcome yet the curse that works in the aspect of the soul concerning the brother. What if you've still got a murderous thought working in you concerning the brother and that is unknown to you? What would still be working? Things of strife? Paul, uh, John talked about it greatly. If you're going to walk, walk as he walked. Walk as Jesus walked. Walk in the light. Don't walk in darkness. You cannot say you love God, Naomi, if you hate your brother. How can you love God if you hate your brother? If you hate your brother, you're a murderer. And you know what Jesus said about the murderer, right? That the devil is a murderer and he's been a murderer from the beginning. So what does God need to do for us? Does he need to take us back to that beginning? Is that what this is all about? God wants you to remember. He wants you to come back into the conversation that you had with him, or or better yet, that he had with you in that beginning. And as God begins to remind you and he begins to to shine light on the subject, because that's what God does. That's what David prayed. God, let your light shine in me. Reveal The unclean thing in me. Cleanse my heart. Change my way. Renew me. Create in me a new heart. That's a prophetic prayer that takes you back to the beginning. So that when Jesus comes and the gospel of Jesus Christ begins to be preached to you. You begin to remember things you have forgotten because of death. Because you don't remember how things went sideways, do you? You don't remember what got sowed to you that took you away from your first love. You just know to some degree, and I I would say that if we went around the room here today, every single one of you would have a different thought about it, a different reasoning, a different mindset of why you're in the state you are in. And when I say state, I'm talking about your being. I'm talking about your mind, your thoughts, your consciousness, You want to know why your spirit is in the place it's in. And how do you fix it? How do I fix it? Well, I tried many, many years to fix it. 
I tried every trick in the book. I tried every preaching. I read literally, I'm not lying to you, I read hundreds of books. I haven't read a book in 20 years other than the Bible. Maybe a safety manual at work. But that's not really a book. You lay all that down, you lay all that knowledge down. You know why? Because you do all that knowledge to try to overcome and try to, try to conceive an idea of how to get yourself straight, how to get yourself corrected, and how to get yourself on the right path. Unbeknownst to you, there are spirits at work in you. There are spirits that have even been passed down, as I mentioned hitherfore, concerning your genealogy that you are unaware of. That were sown to you even by your parents. That were sown to them by their grandparents. That was sown to them by, their, by your great-grandparents. And on and on and on it goes throughout that genealogy. Until God, by way of prophecy, decides to visit your genealogy and calls an awakening. All he has to do is visit one generation. Naomi, just one. And you happen to be married to one of them. I was telling Naomi, you're part of our generation now. She's been grafted in. She's an Ellis now. That's, that's just who she is now. She's married to one. She's been grafted into one. She's family. She's my sister. It's not just a sister-in-law. No, 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 no. It's bigger than that now. That's an awesome thing. Can you imagine? Because now we're talking about eternity. You're going to be with us for eternity. That's amazing. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? We're not just talking about getting saved in this life. I'm talking about fixing this life. We're talking about God revealing the world that he set in your heart. That has been hidden. That like Paul said has been, has been held in captivity by a little g. A God of this world. That hates God. That is a murderer. That sends out spirits to work and manipulate and captivate and put in a wonder every thought in you. But then Jesus comes. And Jesus Christ comes into that world and he begins to prophesy and preach and teach. He begins to speak because he is the light of the world. It's literally, honestly, spiritually, every, everything you can put to it. Going back to Genesis 1 verse 2. And it's God speaking to that thing which is dark that does not understand. And God begins to speak and prophesy the life of Jesus, which is the beginning of the creation of God. And when that begins to happen, everything begins to change. God begins to put life to it, image to it, order to it. He takes the thing that is chaos and begins to put it in order. And then your life begins to make sense because you you obtain a purpose. Now God begins to put his will in you. He begins to put his thought in you. He begins to put his mind in you. He begins to change that heart of stone. And he makes it a heart of flesh. Not the flesh that you are familiar with. We're not talking about the heart of the familiar spirit. That's Deuteronomy 13. That's the false prophet. That's the heart that David was praying God save me from. We're not talking about that heart. The heart of the man of sin. The heart of the carnal mind. God knows that heart is so delusional. It's so steeped in tradition and religion. And believe it or not, you may not agree with me when I tell you this, but we are still very, very, very religious. 
But God wants to save us from that. That's what God's been doing. God's fire has been coming to us. He's been prophesying to us, Dave, to change us, to convert us, to heal us. To change the way we see, to change the way we hear, to change the way our heart receives the word of God. If your heart is in the carnal mind, you're stony ground, you're wayside ground, you're, you, you, you're offended, you're cursed, you're, you've got all these curses and lies and abominable things working in you. And Jesus says, I'm here. He's knocking on that door. I'm here. I'm here to change that. Who's interested? Who wants to make a trade? Because really, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about trading. I, I, I think it was last, I don't know, I don't know what day it was. The last time I, I preached, I talked about God replacing something with something. The fire of God's going to come into you. It's going to burn up those elements. Burn up those things that spirits have induced in you. Imagine having a spirit of murder in you. You say, well, my God, but I've never murdered anybody. I, I haven't, I've got no axes. I've got no chainsaws. I've got no guns. I, I haven't hurt anybody. Uh-huh. But that man of sin in you has, hasn't he? Every time he sowed a discord, every time he worked strife in you, every time he sowed some lie in you, do you realize what he was murdering? He was murdering the word of God in you. So when you say, well, I haven't done it. No, but that man of sin has. And that's what God wants to deliver us from. So you got a spirit of murder working from the beginning. Is it possible that God visited that angel in that beginning in the church of Ephesus and said, remember, Michael, remember. Remember what I've told you. Remember my word to you. Because there's something now working in your spirit. There's something now working in your heart that is there to captivate you and take you from me. In fact, it's already caused you to leave your first love. If it goes any further, it's going to get worse. Right now, you still hate the doctrine of, of the Nicolaitans. But because the angel didn't hearken, guess what he came into agreement with down the line? That false doctrine began to work in him. Because that's the way it works. One single thought gets sown. One agreement. One lie. Begets another lie. Begets another lie. Begets another lie. And before you know it, you've got a kingdom of Satan. You've got a kingdom of the devil. But when you go to the book of Revelations, we read where all the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So what does that tell us? It tells us that in prophecy, Deb, God plans to redeem everything in you. So how does God do that? Well, let me say it this way. God is doing that. How's he doing that? I mean, we just had an awesome class. What was sown to you in that? Because you could spend several weeks contemplating, well, what was sown to me? I'm just provoking you to think a little bit about it, but I'm not telling you to go chase it, spend all your time trying to figure that out. What I am telling you is submit yourself to the anointing. Submit yourself to the anointing and let the Holy Ghost teach you. John said you'll have no man need teach you. When the anointing comes, he'll lead you and guide you into all truth. 
You say, well, I want to I want to get it all fixed this morning. I want everything done. Well, good luck with that, because I've I've spent Dan, I, Rick, all of us. If Keith was here, I'd call him out too. all of us have spent the last 40 plus years in church. I spent most of that time playing church. Pretending to be something. Are you with me? But then Jesus comes. And in all that time, the will of God has never changed. The will of God's always been the same. To bring us back into remembrance of who we actually are. And you think in that conversation that we should be concerned about devils, demons, unclean spirits? Those things that come from the heart of hell? You say the heart of hell? Yeah, because really if you, if you put it into context, hell is a man. That's the state of a man, just like heaven is a man. That's the state of another man. That's the state of Jesus. Jesus is heaven. If you want to know what heaven is, it's Jesus. You walk into his heaven, it's very different than the heaven of the man of sin. And I've seen both. When you go into the heaven of the man of sin, it's very chaotic, very dark. There are very bad things there. Bondage, captivity, sin, death, lies, witchcraft, sorcery, all the works of the flesh. But when you go into Jesus, the nature of God being love and temperance and long-suffering and faithfulness and goodness and meekness and kindness and gentleness and peace. Don't you want peace? Peace in the carnal mind like Daniel preached so many years ago. Didn't even know what he had back then. Not fully, did you, Dan? Put, put such a comment out there like that, it, it stuck for like, I don't know how many years, 15 years, people were mesmerized by that comment, uh, myself included, because I wasn't in so much peace back then. Like, wait, whoa, wait, peace in the carnal mind, that is a, that is a conundrum. What the heck does that mean? That don't even make sense. How can I have peace in the carnal mind? Well, the way I've said it all these years is just take a seat at the table, Naomi. In the presence of all your enemies. Isn't it the same thing? Is that not the same thing? So you got all these unclean spirits, Micah, surrounding you. But you got an invitation, a call by prophecy that has pulled you a chair up to the table of the Lord. And the light of God is there. The wisdom of God is there. The love of God is there. See, you have to be taught those things. I, we, none of us know how to submit to the anointing. None of us until we're taught how to. So when you say, well, Dan's preaching, telling me I got to be taught how to love. Well, he's teaching you how to love. You just got to say the right prayer. God, open up my ear. Let me hear what's being sown to me right now about love. And guess what the father does? He'll answer that prayer by way of his son. And he'll teach you in the teaching in the preaching, he'll teach you how to love. And you know what love overcomes? A multitude of sin. See, devils can't stand love. Devils can't stand unity. Devils can't stand truth. Even though they know truth when they hear it. Even the devils believe and tremble. That's what the scripture says. They know and tremble. So what do you think they do when they see the man of God coming? What do you think they do? They tremble. They run. They take off. Rick and I was talking about this morning. Don't they take off? Does the devil take off, Michael, when he sees you coming? 
Or is that still, are you still working on that part? Because it's, it's there, right? It, the, the beginning of it is there. Prophecies put you there. So what's going to happen as you grow in Christ, as you grow in God, as you allow the light of Jesus Christ to illuminate darker areas within you? Starts in Jerusalem, works to Judea, gets to Samaria. Oh, we still got the uttermost parts of the earth. I mean, the gospel is big. God is big. God's got some huge plans for us. And you say, well, I want it all. I want all four things that Jesus mentioned concerning where the gospel of Jesus is going to go. I want them all done right now. Well, how about you do this? How about you pull up a chair, get to the table, let God talk to you a little bit about Jerusalem, and then we'll get to Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost. Because it's got to start somewhere, doesn't it? If there's something preeminent that works in you, let God go after that. Because I promise you there is. There's one really big thing that works that God will go after first because there's an appointed time for it. I hope this preaching is okay this morning because it's, it's just the, these are things that we, we need to think about for God to enlarge us. It's a creation. That's, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the faith of Jesus Christ being created in you so you can think like him. Did Jesus come and preach and teach and save the entire world? Or did he gather 12 and sow himself into them? And was it not them that later turned the world upside down in his name? What do you think? So there's process to it. There's an order to it, right? We don't have everything. I don't have everything. I, I, I no longer worry about not finishing a thought. Why? Because Dan's going to get it, or Rick's going to get it, or Keith's going to get it. I, I, some, the Holy Ghost is going to finish it. Not worried about those things. Because we're talking about the unity of the faith of the body of Jesus Christ. So if there be anything yet remaining, is God going to get that too? Because I told you, man, if God has overcome the man of sin in you, that does not mean that you will cease to deal with the man of sin because I promise you there are still things in this world. There are still unbelievers. There's still Judea. There's still Samaria. There's still the uttermost. In other words, there's other souls that have not yet heard the gospel of Jesus. And who do you think's working in them? Is that man of sin working in them? But if God puts you in a sin and begins to remind you in prophecy what he promised you in that beginning, what he actually commanded you in that beginning, he actually give you, he give you, uh, what would I call it? He gives you orders, if you will, as an ambassador. And he sends you out with those orders. It's like, it's almost like being in the military. It, it's, it's very well done, very in order. God gives you a very specific task. God's give us fivefold ministry, but what if, what if the preeminent thing works in one over another? Doesn't mean they can't all work, but what if one's a teacher, one's a prophet, one's an evangelist? Don't we want to be what God's called us to be? Because if we're working in the office God's called us to, then we're going to do the work that God's called us to do. And it just so happens when you're hearing good preaching, you are, you are listening to an active word that is being sent to evangelize your spirit. And it's very possible, if you believe what I'm telling you, that at the word of the Lord, when it comes to you, that God's very word can cleanse you from a spirit that has inhibited you and held you in bondage and deliver you 
I mean, right on the spot. You could be free right now is what I'm telling you. You do not have to let those curses that have worked in your genealogy continue to do so. You could be a new woman, a new man right now. You got to believe that word. What do you think? And I'm, I'm wrapping up, but what do you think? If you're sitting at the table, Dan, and I'll ask Dan this, because Dan's the one that taught the class. And I got to say, it was awesome, man. We love that stuff. But Dan, if, if, if someone's sitting at, at your table, bro, they're sitting at your table, you're preaching this class because you are as the Lord in that situation. You're preaching the love of God. And someone's sitting by invitation at that table. But they're constantly looking back because all those spirits, all those enemies, all those distractions, they're not listening to you. They're, they're, they're doing this, looking over their shoulder. Are they getting what you're saying? What do they need to do, bro? There you go. Hear your words because you got the words of life, bro. An anointed burning one. Hmm. So could he burn something out of you? Has he? Yeah, he has, hasn't he? Rick did the same for all of us. Do you see what I'm saying? And, and are we worshiping a man? No, we're not. You say, why do you talk so much about Dan? Well, because he's the pastor of this particular church right here. There's an order to that. And I'm going to give honor to whom honors due. He's the pastor. We're all in submission. Believe it or not, even Rick is in submission to Dan here as the pastor of this church. Make sense? And we're all going to serve one another in love. Not my will, God's will. Well, you don't want my will. My will's not going to help you. I can bow beat you with the word of God and tell you you got to stop doing all that lustful stuff. It ain't going to help you. Huh, I knew I'd get something out of you, Julie. Ain't going to help you. What does help you? The word of God spoken in gentleness and peaceableness to entreat you, to draw you. Oh, man, haven't you been allured enough by the devil? Isn't it time to let the drawing and calling of God, Marvin, draw you to that secret place and sit you down and have an intimate conversation about your eternity? Well, I'm telling you right now, man, God wants to change your eternity. And there's some devils that have hindered you, but God's ready to cast them out. And you know how he's going to cast them out? Go read Mark 16, man. Go read it. Take some homework today. Go read it a little bit. If you truly are a believer, we, we spoke on the believer for how long, Dan? Like three months or something? Maybe more than that. You remember? Or did you forget already? You remember? What does the believer do, bro? Here, you tell us. You tell us. The, the believer... I don't like to use the word to define the word, but it, it believes and submits to the word of God. And one thing about the, the believer I've been thinking about recently is how when you begin to, when you receive the word of God, it, it starts to change you. So you could say, I am a believer because you have hope and you know that God will bring you into those things and fulfill that word. But 
you know, it's easy to, um, I, I remember early on trying to get myself to uh, confess that I'm a believer Be, because I was afraid of the shortcomings, knowing that I, I would not be able to live up to what I was trying to confess until um, I began to be taught that be a believer where you're at, believe this word, believe this word, and let God carry you in to greater things. And as you submit to that, this word, he'll change you and change you and change you, and you'll become the fullness of a believer. But whatever word you have, believe that. Walk in that and let God grow it up. Let God grow it up. He will. And so it, it changes, if you will, almost like a metamorphosis. It changes from just walking in, I'm not going to call it low level. Do, do not be mistaken. If you've come into a simple mind of hope and peace, that is powerful in God, man. Don't, don't despise the day of small things. But I did, I did listen to your, your walking through that progression, right? Of how at first, that's how it starts. Because trust me when I tell you, when you're sitting across the table from a guy like Dan or Rick or others, and you're in a lot of bad thought, you, you might even be in hell, in torment, hope and peace, oh, that's big, isn't it? You're not thinking about ministry at that time. You're just thinking, my God, can somebody help me? Can somebody save me, right? But it's bigger than that then, right? Because once God begins to elevate those thoughts of God in you, what does he begin to do? Does he put a burning in your heart to actually do the same for someone else? So there's other thoughts in you that haven't come into those things, right? So as God goes after that son of God in you, he's done it for what purpose? To cause that believer to rise up and preach the gospel, because there's other thoughts in you bound by evil, wicked spirits that God wants to free. He wants to deliver them because he wants to save all of you. Are you with me? He wants to save all of you. And, and you know, we don't have to. Um, there is one. I'll leave you with one verse here. I believe it's in Ephesians 4. Let me leave you with this. I just got to find it. Maybe it's five. No, I know it's in four. Until we all come into the fullness of the stature. If you want to help me out, help me out. Yell it out to me. You know why? It's because my other Bible app crashed, and I'm not familiar with this one. So it's funny how that thing, how how memory works. So you guys don't know where it's at either. That's funny. Four thirteen. Thank you, Sharon. Okay, good. This is right after he talks about the fivefold ministry. That he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for the perfecting of the saints, the work of the ministry, the edifying of the body of Christ. Till what? Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Wow, that is awesome.
And he says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro by every false doctrine and the slight of men. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about growing up in Christ, no longer dealing with those spirits, Micah, that you talked about. No longer dealing with those old ways of the man of sin. The man of sin, is he not overcome? And a new man is created. The new man, the Jesus is created in you. See, it's the Jesus that loves. So if you want to love, what do you got to become? You got to become the Jesus. You got to come into the Jesus. Let the anointing, because the anointing will break every yoke. Amen? All right, guys, we love you. Dan, come on. Good preaching, huh? You know, Gary started off talking about how important the inward part is, right? The spiritual part. What an amazing thing. Real simple. Some of the teaching we've been doing about loving the Lord your God with all. What are the things that were listed there? The heart? Inward. The soul? Inward. The mind? Inward. The strength? Inward. Isn't that interesting? One verse says might instead of strength. Point is, God asked us to love with all we have, and he never said the flesh. He said, everything in you, love God. Everything in you, love God. That's amazing. That is amazing. And then guess what? Like you said, the flesh just obeys Let's face it, when your mind says it's 7.30 and if I don't get out of bed right now, I'm going to be late for work, your butt generally tries to get out of bed. (laughs) Instead of hitting the snooze, sometimes your mind says just one more time, snooze, (laughs) and now you're wrecking cars on the way to work (laughs) to get there. Point is... When it comes to serving God, God didn't say just obey from the flesh. He said, love me with everything that's within you. And if you can learn that, you're well on your way to heaven. Being in heaven, experiencing heaven. Because this whole idea of the flesh perfects us, no. No, no, no. God goes after every part of you. And so remember that when you go to serve the Lord, it's all housed in a body. But everything that you truly, truly are is within, not without. But he's doing it all by the Holy Ghost, not coming from without, but all from within. So it's kind of cool That even though you hear Gary preach this morning on an outward sense, the word of God that's talking to you, isn't it interesting, is talking to you from inside you, isn't it? And though your physical ears are hearing the word of God, you walk out of here still hearing it because you heard it within you. That's so powerful. Isn't that cool? 
So as we go out of here and online, be blessed today and hear the word of God. And I guarantee as we continue on, one of the things I'm going to do is continue to uh, separate because I haven't got to love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. We got to talk about all those. Because each one has its place. God put them in divisions, but, but they're all inside. So to the point of focusing on the spiritual walk, that's why we do that around here, isn't it? Because Jesus did it. Jesus did it. Praise God. Isn't that awesome? So uh, go out of here today, be blessed, and live for God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then tell your body, get with it, Jack. Get with it. Tell your flesh, get with it. All right? Don't be slothful today. I'm going to serve God. Praise God. All right? Okay, God bless you today.